all bad things. Tragedy. Tragedies, disasters. That's bad things. Trigger warning for everything possible. What? Happy end of the decade. Second take was even better. Yes. I'm David. <laughs> I'm Rachel. And this is All Bad Things with our mic on. Yes. <laughs> Fortunately, we didn't get too far. <laughs> ah. What a better way to end the, uh, the decade than with technical difficulties that we as created on our own. As we've always said, we are serious journalists. <laughs> yes, dead serious. <laughs> oh, uh, follow us insta twitter facebook at all bad things pod you can email us all bad things pod at gmail.com you can leave us a, a rate review or scribe what have you if you leave us a one star review just a warning you will get dragged heavily on social media yes yes you will <laughs> that might be inviting a whole bunch of people to leave one star reviews but that'll give us good fodder for social media true i like the one from today yes so, so fun <laughs> Why? Why do? You, why are you so ignorant of what people of the way people do? <laughs> it's like, oh yes, the way people do. That's that's an intelligent observation. <laughs> and thank you for the one star review. Mm-hmm. Tyler nine five two three or whatever it was. <laughs> so as has been our long held tr- tradition, meeting this is, this year is three. the well, this is the third year we we're doing a New Year's Eve episode, but our oh. second year really doing a party so. You're right. The first, well, it was it was a more um frippery episode because it was the Death Star. A more what? Frippery. Okay. It, it, that wasn't the right word, but <laughs> <laughs> it sounded right. Um it it wasn't a serious topic per se. Yes, I know you take Star Wars very seriously. Absolutely. We did see the movie and you liked it. We did see Rise of Skywalker. Did we already mention that? I I don't think we did. No, No, we haven't recorded since we saw it. I'm pretty sure. We recorded Saturday, didn't we? Something like that. Anyway. Anyway. (laughs) Anyway, yes, I did enjoy it. I thought it was fun, which Mm -hmm. is what Star Wars movies are supposed to be. Yep. And I saw Knives Out today. It was good. I liked it. I still don't really know what that's about, but that's okay. It's like a little murder mystery with Daniel Craig with a um, oh, okay. Colonel Sanders accent. Yes. And, funny. F- and for our spinoff podcast, go to All Bad Movies. <laughs> we have talked about that. Yes, we have. <laughs> all Bad Movies and All Bad Sports. Mm-hmm. Um, all Kinds of Evil. We have all sorts of spinoffs planned, people. We just never do we it. We just never do them. <laughs> all Bad Politics. All Bad Politics. Um, all Bad Plans, in yes, other words. <laughs> which is what they've become. <laughs> So, today's party sode mm-hmm. is brought to us by our listener, Eric. Yes. Uh, who, very thankfully, yes. Uh, or very very much a thank you yes. for the research. Very generously, yes, did, did research. Um, one of our loyal listeners and contributors. Um, we always appreciate that. We're going to start pulling some of those out for sure during tax season, which is about to start. Brace yourselves, yes. everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Buckle in. Well, she's going to be the one mostly buckling in, but yeah, you're going to have to be the one. Buckle in with me. for <laughs> buckle in for catatonic Rachel episodes. Yes, yes, because <laughs> all she can see are numbers. It, like like the people in the Matrix, all they can see is code. <laughs> <laughs> That's all she'll be able to see is tax tax forms. code. <laughs> exactly. So today's uh, party sode, or this year's party sode, mm-hmm. to again end the decade. As, lo- as well as end 2019, is the 1971 Casino de Montreux fire. Oh, Casino de Montreux. De Montreux. I, I, I was putting Montreux Casino fire. Should I put it the other way around? Montreux either way. I, I found plenty of stuff on it either way. Okay. Um, this Now, I knew you were going to do this one because mm-hmm. Eric had sent the research. Um, although you've, you've added a little bit. I did, as well, yes. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But did you keep Eric's script largely intact, like the portions that are Pretty his? much the whole okay. thing, yeah. So shout out to Eric, too, for the writing. Absolutely. Then, okay. Oh, yes. Very absolutely. good. Thank you. Thank you, Eric. Um, there was a few things like content I had to switch around here and there, but other than that. Gotcha. Um, and I assume you'll be talking about the classic rock connection, right? Oh, yes. Okay. Well, that's what makes it the, the party sode. Yeah. <laughs> I actually don't know if anybody died in this. Well, you you are about to state, yes, what's going on. 
It is a party sode, so the answer is no. Good. Very glad to hear that. Two nice episodes in a row with no carnage. Absolutely. I appreciate that. So on December 4th, 1971, the British rock band Deep Purple was in Montreux, Switzerland to record their new album, Machine Head, mm-hmm. at the Casino de Montreux, also known as the Gambling House, which is located on the shore of Lake Geneva. I've looked at pictures of, well, it's been renovated since. Okay. It gets obviously renovated, to the ground. renovated after this, <laughs> uh, which we will get into later. It looks gorgeous. This oh. part of Switzerland, and I, oh. I'm, oh. Down, I'm down for going to Lake Geneva, de Switzerland. Yes. All right. Very nice. I'm, I'm down for that, too. So the band chose to write and record the album overseas to avoid British taxes. So there you go. Oh. There's, your, <laughs> <laughs> there's your tax implication right there. That's funny. They uh. also rented a mobile recording, or as they would say on that side of the pond, they mobile. also rented a mobile Mm-hmm. Recording studio from the Rolling Stones mm. to do the recording. A mobile recording studio. Yes. So like in a trailer or something? Uh, or? It was kind of, I'll get into that, okay. Um, okay. how they set this up, because it was kind of confusing and there was not a whole lot of detail on okay. it. Okay. Anyway, so the casino was scheduled to shut down over the winter for renovations and maintenance, which was the first of a four-year plan to do so. Okay. So they were already planning on a renovating. A lot of renovations, too. Yeah. <laughs> The plans for renovations obviously take a take a U-turn after this. But, yeah, well. But anyway. Well, or they just get uh, pushed along much faster. Yeah, than... it's like, well, the building's gone. Yeah. Well, that makes things easier. <laughs> so the last scheduled event before the shutdown uh, was a concert at 3 p.m. by Frank Zappa mm-hmm. and the Mothers of Invention. Susie? Susie Cream Cheese? Yeah, I've listened to... <laughs> I think I've mentioned it on here before. Like okay, I can do, I can do weird to like a certain extent, <laughs> and Frank Zappa crosses that boundary he's, of weird that I just can't handle. He's pretty, he's pretty out there. I've only listened I mean, to him because fun. Sarah's kind of into him. But some of uh, a friend of mine that I knew in Rochester when I lived there listened to some, and some of it's fun and it goofy. Is funny, and, I think it, it's funny. But I would never like pull up Frank Zappa on Spotify. Like <laughs> <laughs> well, to the, listen to. Um, the School of Rock, not the movie, but the documentary. Yes, I have seen it. Those kids were going to Zappa Now, which is like the God, Zappa. I forgot about that. Yep. Don't they and end they that? And they did a Zappa song, like a weird Zappa song. Don't they end that playing another brick in the wall? Isn't, isn't that oh, their... Oh, yeah. You know what? I think you may be right. I think yeah. that was their... Finale. Yeah, finale yeah. song. That was a great documentary. It was. You need it to look that cool. up. I only saw it one time. Hmm. Check it out, people. <laughs> So it was toward the end of Zappa's nearly 90-minute set that a fire began to break out, which would inspire one of the most recognizable <laughs> rock songs as well as one of the most recognizable guitar riffs in rock and roll history. <laughs> if you are a young, just-starting-out guitar player, do not go to a guitar store and play that. You will, yeah, be, you will be kicked out of me. They'll know you're... They'll also know... <laughs> That you're a beginner. Also, Stairway to Heaven. Yeah, don't do Hotel that either. California. There's a bunch uh, of that one you can kind of get away with because it's a little more intricate than the other two songs. If you really want to impress people, go with the beginning of Crazy on You. The whole acoustic picking point in the beginning. Or beginning. Crazy Train. That has a really... Boom, boom. Boom, boom. <laughs> boom, boom. But boom, that has boom. a really intricate guitar part oh, leading da, into the bridge. It's not that hard. No, no, no. The, there's a piece in Oh, between. oh, the... the <laughs> mm-hmm. no. Yes, that. that Just part. like that. <laughs> it's party stuff. And we've already lost half of our audience. Sorry about that, folks. Anyway. Okay, go write a one-star review. <laughs> <laughs> So I thought we would do, a, there's a wee bit of history on the Casino de Montreux. Yeah. Again, definitely a place I would love to check out. So the Montreux Casino, or the Casino de Montreux, mm-hmm. was built in 1881. Oh my goodness. And had modifications made to it in 1903. Throughout the 20th century, the site played host to many great symphony orchestras and mm. well-known conductors. By the late 1960s, jazz, blues, and rock artists mm-hmm. began to perform there as well. That's happened with a lot of like more traditional um, concert venues that are meant for like orchestral music. And or this whatever. seems like a maybe just for Switzerland, but maybe just for that area as well. Like a very well-known, okay, famous. 
Well, if it was built in the 1880s. around generations. Now, I mean, that's very historic to us, but we're also Americans. Mm -hmm. And a lot of our stuff, like, if something is 50 years old, we're like, wow, that's That's, an old building. (laughs) We should should tear it down and make another one. Yeah, we're very good at that, too. Europe is different. So in 1967, the casino became the venue for the Montreux Jazz Festival, mm-hmm. which was the brainchild of music promoter Claude Nobbs, which is interesting. <laughs> oh, Claude poor Nobbs. Guy. Or Claude. Claude Nobbs. We'll call him that. <laughs> Claude Nobbs. Claude I don't Nobbs. think that's... A... No, I think it's Claude Nobbs. <laughs> the, <laughs> the festival was held there annually and lasted for three days each year. The highlights of this era were Keith Jarrett, Jack Djonet... Bill Evans, Nina oh, Simone. I've heard of Bill Evans and Nina Simone. Jan Garbarek and Ella Fitzgerald. And of course, Ella Fitzgerald. Originally featuring almost exclusively jazz artists, in the 1970s, the festival began broadening its scope, including mm-hmm. blues, soul, and rock artists. That happened to a lot of jazz festivals. Um, the Newport Jazz Festival, mm-hmm. I think, was where... I think it was the Newport Jazz Jazz Fest was where um, Dylan first plugged in. Mm-hmm. And... Played like a Rolling Stone. Oh, I need to brush up on my rock history. But anyway, yeah, that happened in the late, like the mid, mid late sixties. The uh, well, a lot of early rock and roll artists were, yeah, were influenced it, exactly. by jazz and blues, and and it wasn't like a hard change. It wasn't a hard over. turn. No. Yeah. Uh huh. Um, around this time, uh, Black Sabbath would provide that hard turn. Like, yeah. Like, oh, I don't know if I can go here. Well, and Deep Purple. <laughs> yes. Deep Purple was one of their and early Zeppelin, metal bands. Let's face it. Well, Zeppelin. But yep. some, uh, but again, um, not again, but... Uh, well, and in some... all, all fairness, Zappa was doing a lot of stuff that was very Oh, experimental. Yeah. yeah. Well, he is the husband of invention. I don't know. It's Zappa and the mothers, so what is he in the family tree? Anyway, keep going. The patriarch, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> so some notable rock acts which did perform at the uh, Montreux Jazz Festival uh, during this time include Led Zeppelin, although they never performed at the actual festival itself. They performed at the venue. Oh, okay. At the casino. Mm-hmm. Okay. But Pink Floyd and Deep Purple, okay. obviously, would play this event. Mm-hmm. Uh, Deep Purple is not playing this event when this occurs. Oh, they're just recording. They are, yes. Okay. It's Zappa. It is Frank Zappa. That's very specifically performing at the time of the fire. Mm-hmm. Okay. Zappa and the Mothers, yep. So, let's get into the fire, okay. shall we? According to both Frank Zappa and Deep Purple lead singer Ian Gillen, mm-hmm. the band had just been recording, had just begun recording the song King King. Now, this is Deep Purple recording It's Deep this. Purple recording, okay. Mm-hmm. At the time, someone in the audience at the Frank Zappa concert fired a couple shots from either a flare gun or, as Frank Zappa said, a skyrocket. Some reports suggested that it was matches being thrown into the air. So some sort of incendiary device or... Was, was used to yeah. was used in the audience by somebody. So, in the would, words not, of, would not be the first time on that side of the pond that that happened in a crowd. <laughs> in, in the... Words of smoke on the water, some stupid with a flare gun. There we go. So so anyway, somebody and this is an interior venue, is that correct? Uh it's it's both. It's like it's kind of like an amphitheater. Okay. This, this section of it. So um, it wasn't like someone was in a normal building with a normal ceiling thinking it was great to shoot a flare gun. Well, it's or? we'll, we'll kind of get Okay. Yeah, okay. the the building is kind of strange looking in okay. in its time. Okay. Like the the roof part of it is all wood, but it's like a um what am I trying to say? Like a wicker wood, like it's wicker weaved the ceiling. Huh. So okay. which plays a part in the fire. Well, wicker I imagine would ca- it's very thin and crispy. <laughs> yes. So unfortunately the ceiling, the mm-hmm. wood ceiling which I was just mm-hmm. mentioning was covered in rattan, okay, which is a yeah. material that is used for wicker to stretch yeah. it and make mm-hmm. it more durable and things like that. Unfortunately, it's also flammable. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the wood was embedded um, and embedded into the wooden roof, causing it to smoke and smolder. So this flare or uh, this match, it got into the fire. The, yes, whatever the, the whatever set of the it fire off was, yeah, got caught up in the in the roof, and it began to kind of smolder and. So it's not like it burst into flames. No, it was like kindling, kind of a little bit. Yeah. Yes. So someone ran up. Uh, someone then ran up to the stage and pointed to where the smoke was coming from in the ceiling. Wow. 
Deep Purple bass player Roger Glover, Glover recalled that, quote... Wait, okay, were these guys in the audience? Where were these guys? They are recording in a pavilion across from here. Recording live? Uh, that I don't know. Because that's, that's what's weird. Usually you record in a studio that's well, blocked in, off. Well, they're in a mobile studio. So yeah, that's the that's the kind of stuff that that, that was not very clear. clear. Okay, I gotcha. They were there. They were recording. All right. So they witnessed it one way or the other. Right. It's not that they were at the concert. No. Yeah. I think that they were watching it from like across the pavilion. Okay. I think they were yeah doing right. something like that. Mm-hmm. So Roger Glover, the bass player, recalls it was a huge building. I remember there was very little panic getting out because mm. it didn't seem like much of a fire at first. Well, if it was smoldering, you're not seeing huge flames Mm -mm. or anything i can see that being less panic inducing right but when it caught it went up like a fireworks display jesus another person ran in with a fire extinguisher to put out the fire but part of the roof fell down Ooh. frank zappa then got on the mic and told the audience to calmly leave the auditorium good for frank the fire quickly spread and smoke filled the room trapping audience members up front There was a large door to the right that was locked, which should not be... Yeah, no. But that happens how many times? How many times have we said? doesn't even matter sometimes if you know your exits. Sometimes your exits are locked. Because this is 1971. This is for sure when they have crash bars on doors. And doors are supposed to... Yeah, it's just... Doors should not be locked. Yeah. Mm -mm. Uh Yeah. Amplifiers were thrown at the door in order to knock it open, which oh, wow. was successful. Oh, good. Swiss firefighters broke the large windows in order to rescue people as well. Okay. Since the auditorium was about a half story up, there was about a 10 to 15 foot drop to Ooh, the ground. That's not great. So there were injuries. Rescuing. No, not really. Oh, okay. So rescuing people was very key. You so couldn't just. So they had to just... get ladders. And... Mm-hmm. Okay. Cloud Knobs assisted in the rescue efforts by running into the building and helping people get outside. Remind, remind me who Cloud Knobs is. He I is the uh, he he's the organizer name. of the okay. festival. Well, good for him. That's that's very noble. Absolutely. Yeah. The last people out of the building were the roadies for Frank Zappa. Hmm. At this time, the fire had reached the heating system, causing an explosion. I betcha that <coughs> excuse me that the roadies were like, "Okay, is everybody okay?" Let's see if we can get some of the amps, you know, because that's the gear. kind of thing that a gearhead would do. They'd be like, well, maybe we can just save this. Well, I mean, even back then, but even now, I mean, just to put on a show, you're mm-hmm. talking about it's just a decent sounding show, a decent sounding show. Thousands of dollars. You're talking of tens of thousand dollars worth of equipment. If you want really, really good. Sound, yeah. yeah. It can be done on a couple thousand, but yeah, for, for true quality sound. Yeah. yeah. So an expl- so it reached the heating system and caused mm-hmm. an explosion. Yes. That does not sound good. The casino continued to burn throughout the night, completely destroying the building. So the whole casino, not oh, just is, the yep. um, pavilion or mm-hmm. whatever. Okay. In addition to the calm composure that Frank Zappa demonstrated yeah, in directing the crowd to stay calm and leave the room in an orderly fashion, there were other factors that contributed to the successful evacuation. Very good. First, the concert was held during the day, which gave everyone plenty of light to see what was happening and where to go. Second, the fact that there was an intermission just moments before the fire Ah. broke out meant that there were fewer people in the room at the time. Not everyone had gotten back in. Third, and I think he's putting this in here jokingly, Uh since many of the audience members were also stoned, panic was avoided. (laughs) You know, that's funny, but it also could very well be true. It's like, dude, dude, wait, just I'll go, I'll go in a second. Just wait, dude. (laughs) Wait, just wait. Okay, okay, no need to rush. Hey, do you see those lights in the ceiling, man? That's a trip, dude. No, or, but you know what? In a, in a funny way, it's like, well, okay. I do think that the, um, it also sounds like the firefighters arrived very quickly. Probably, because this is a pretty big venue and, yeah. you know, um, they probably had, I would hope, they probably had to have like a fire marshal or somebody oh, maybe, on yeah. site, mm-hmm. that I would That makes sense, that makes sense. And I will say, like, never underestimate the power of somebody who takes authority and calms people like especially somebody that literally has the microphone exactly to literally be like okay everybody very calmly don't don't worry single file get out of here just 
Don't panic. Please, in an orderly fashion, just calmly make your way. You know, like, and especially the fact that it was someone that they were all, clearly, they must have admired him because they were going to see him perform. So they were like, oh, okay, well, Frank Zappa is telling us to stay calm, so we'll stay calm, you know. (laughs) That's a weird (laughs) scene, but, you know, it's really funny. You said it was in the daytime, and every time I hear smoke on the water, I picture night. And just, like, the fire See, in I, the sky. I kind of knew the backstory of this. I think I saw it on, okay. like, a VH1... Uh, Behind the music or something. Something like mm-hmm. that. That it did happen during the day. Mm. So that's kind of how I've always pictured it. Okay, yeah. I always thought it was night. But, uh... Or just visualized it that way. So, the, with the exception of a few minor injuries and okay. three different people being admitted to the hospital for treatment... No lives were that's lost. That's great. So that's great. That's we wouldn't be doing a party soda if there no, were. No, no, absolutely. Oh, someone recently also asked us um, when we stopped saying "No, your exits" at the end. I saw that. Yeah, and it was I forget what episode it was. Maybe it was Hillsborough. I don't might know. Have been. But when we felt like that was really inappropriate to say because it was just because sometimes you can't get to it. Sometimes there are no exits. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, so it's a fun saying, but we just kind of stopped saying it because it, it seemed insensitive and inappropriate at times. Yeah. And you know us, if anything, we are the height of decorum. <laughs> yes, we and, are. And mad respect. Hashtag thanks, fuckface. <laughs> so meanwhile, the members of Deep Purple had met up at a cafe across the lake from the casino and watched the fire. <laughs> that sounds a little looky lewish, but I mean, they were probably think, just like, I'm let's sure just get away. What, I'm sure that's probably what we everybody was away. doing. Because they're at like a kind of, um, not necessarily a resort a, area. Kind of. Right? So yeah. In that vein. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's not just this casino no, there. It's there's an like hotels t- and, you know, there's, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. So I'm guessing that's probably what everybody's doing. Yeah. Why wouldn't you be? Yeah, and you, and it's not like you're going to flee the town. No. And what else is there to do? You can't look at your cell phone because it's 1971. Yeah. So watching the fire, the alpine breeze was blowing the smoke over the lake. Ah. Due to the deadline in their passports, the band had to quickly figure out what to do next. Claude Nobbs, oh. <laughs> Claude, Claude Nobbs <laughs> secured permission for the band to record at the Pavilion Theater. However, oh. the neighbors complained of noise to the police, <laughs> so the band was forced to use the nearly vacant Grand, Grand Hotel de Montreux. That's that's funny. That's such a Swiss thing. Like, will you stop? It's loud. I know you're a genius band that will go down in history, especially for this song, but we're tired. Did uh, the Sound of Music take place in Switzerland? Austria, I believe. Austria, okay. Yes, I believe. But the it was Alps Austria. run through. Yeah, they want to run through Switzerland. Oh, yeah, absolutely, Swiss the Swiss yeah. Alps. Yeah, my mom has been there. I have not. I would love to. The we'll band. We'll add it to our list. Absolutely, I, and we'll go to the Swiss Alps and to this area as well. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, so at the Grand Hotel de Montreux, mm-hmm. the band used the hallways and stairwells. Um, and made them into turn them into makeshift recording studios. Oh, how funny! According to Ian Gillen, they still had seven minutes of recording space left on the record huh. before the album could be completed. Oh, because they were trying to get it to a certain length. They and were... they're also kind of trying to get out of the country because their passports yeah. are about to expire. So they just got to lay something down, yeah. whatever. Roger Glover had awakened from a dream and uttered to himself, "Smoke on the water." The band quickly wrote the lyrics down and used a two-note guitar riff that Richie Blackmore often used for sound checks no. that he said was from Beethoven's Fifth Symphony playing backwards. It's not two two notes. Okay, well, I it's wouldn't It's have... one, two, three, one, two, bend. So if anyone wants to know, <laughs> it's in G minor, I believe. You can correct me if that's not correct, but... It is G, now, now B for, flat, C, now for all G, bad music. B flat, and then it's a bend on on the C to a D flat to C, G, B flat, C, B flat, G. So it's G minor, but it's not a harmonic minor. It's a natural minor. So then the bass kind of goes between the F, G, E, D, F, G, F, G. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> and for those of you who haven't fallen asleep yet... <laughs> All bad music. Yes. So the band members never gave the song any further thought until it was released as a single in the United States. So it was just Mm. something basically as a one-off. They're like, we'll put it on the record. It was a space filler. Yeah, exactly. It was literally filler. And wait, he said it. Okay, I'm not going to get into Beethoven backwards because that'll just take too long. Go ahead. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) 
The song was one of Deep Purple's greatest hits. Yes. Obviously. That and Hush are like the two songs that everybody knows. And I would say Smoke on the Water is even more famous than Hush. Than, that, than Hush? Yeah, uh-huh. definitely. Um, so it spawned numerous cover versions, and the opening notes became the most rec- one of the most recognizable guitar riffs of all time. Absolutely. It was first released on their 1972 album Machine Head, which is a really great album. Mm-hmm. I, I think I might listen to that later. I haven't it's, listened to that album in a long time. It's like a one of the first sort of hard rock slash metal albums. It's I would like put it in the vein of over. today. I'd put it in the vein of hard rock. Yes, uh-huh. but at the time it was, it was very heavy metal heavy, yeah. for sure. Mm-hmm. I mean. Metallica at this point is hard rock, but if you listen to them in, <laughs> yeah. in 1985, they were, they were metal, it was just yeah. like, will you turn that down? What is wrong with you crazy satanic the kids? Devil's music. Well, they thought Black Sabbath was the devil's music. Yeah. Uh, Ozzy even tells the story of like his parents being like, Ozzy, you, you, you sure you're still just smoking the occasional weed? Yeah, right. <laughs> like making sure he wasn't too far gone. The song ranks number 434 on Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs of All Time list. That list is a sham. Probably. By the way, Um, all of Rolling Stone's lists are. Yes. All due respect to Rolling Stone, but it's shit. It's all subjective. It's it's impossible to definitively rank. Uh, I would definitely put it in most recognizable songs iconic. of all time it's absolutely one of the most iconic rock songs of all even time, if you I'd didn't say. know you knew that song yes. you know that song yep i would agree you knew at least it. the riff mm-hmm. at least the riff um and the opening riffs rank number four on total guitar magazine's 100 <laughs> greatest guitar riffs of guitar all time nerds. Guitar i wonder what no- I, I kind of i now i remember i meant to look up what number one is on that list but guitar riffs of all time what is more of Stairway to Heaven, obviously. Yeah, that's not a riff. Uh, uh, not November Rain. Uh, Sweet Child of Mine. As soon as you hear that, you know exactly what song it is. If I'm not mistaken, that also was based on like a, um, a warm-up. A sound check. Yeah. yeah. Because it's basically just arpeggios. The bass is really what gives that intro. It's... Heft. Now we put everybody to sleep. Sorry yes, about that. Absolutely. Also, but you know what the great thing is? Usually podcasts can't like sing or or whatever because of copyright issues. Yeah, nobody, no, listens, nobody listens, listens. So we can shit. so we can do what we want. Well, well, we're waiting on that one star review from RCA Records. <laughs> So, this is the event that inspired a song that, I mean... Yeah, one of the most iconic rock songs Half the population in the world probably knows in Absolutely. some form or another. Smoke on the water. Smoke on the water. Fire in the sky. So, the casino was subsequently rebuilt, and during the interim, the Montreux Jazz Festival was held in other auditoriums in Montreux mm. until it could return to the newly reopened casino. 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 <laughs> which was finished in 1975. Okay, so it's, that, and it's, that's it's, pretty quick. It's also since had an update. It looks yeah, very modern, modern now. Okay. The festival continued to be hosted there until 1993, where it moved to a larger Montreux Convention Center located approximately one kilometer from the casino. Now, real quick, did it literally burn to the ground? Pretty much. Okay, yeah. so it was like they, ruins. Yep. Oh, that's horrible because that was a historic mm-hmm. building too. It was almost yep. a hundred-year-old building. From 1995 to 2006, the festival occupied both the convention center and the casino <laughs> beginning with the 41st festival in 2007 nightly performances of headliners were again moved mainly to the convention center although the casino still hosts the odd one-off show okay today outside the casino de montreux near the statue of freddie mercury oh is it the the famous one of him yes with the his name wrist up. the yes. name of the band being deep purple the song being smoke on the water uh-huh. and the opening riff are on display oh that's awesome. That's where they have the Freddie Mercury Festival every year is in Montreux. So that's that's very cool. Yes. I, I forgot that that's where his iconic... Mm-hmm. I honestly didn't know it until I was doing yeah. this research to research the research. <laughs> the research and I was like, research the research. I was like, oh, I've seen that before. I was like, Rachel will get a kick out of this. Absolutely. It's him at Wembley 86 mm-hmm. doing striking his pose. Oh, Freddie. Oh, Freddie. So that was the 1971 Casino de Montreux Fire. Very good. That was that was a good story. Thank you, Eric. Yes, thank you very much, Eric. That was fantastic. Um, so we knew this was going to be a shorter episode. Mm-hmm. So we, well, you thought, and mm-hmm. it was a very good 
idea that we should an end of the year is a great time to do this and this is also what episode is this one 130 130 <laughs> so we have had some episodes in the past mm-hmm. that at the time we did them mm-hmm. had not either been resolved or resolved completely or, or updates mm-hmm. and um joining our discussion group is a great way to keep up on that because a lot of our listeners are good about like posting either yes they are bad things Absolutely. in progress or that recently happened which by the way Australian listeners, oh my God, yeah. please stay safe. Apparently, Australia's Apparently the on whole fucking, fucking continent's fire. on fire. It's awful, and climate change is real. And fuck you if you don't think it is. Go ahead and leave us a one-star review. We will take it happily. <laughs> um, but so, yeah, Aus- yeah. And, and the poor uh, little koala bear, I can't remember oh his name, my God, that unfortunately was passed away. Thing. That was really sad. That was so I think sad. That's what, I think that's what gave the... Uh, oh what's going on over there i think that's serious i think it's what gave it its symbolism in a way yeah and and it's it's sad that that's what it takes but i mean every time there is a wildfire yeah what do you think plenty of things die animals wildlife yep other animals trees plants Mm -hmm. you know all sorts of stuff that we absolutely whether we know it or not rely on on a daily basis absolutely Mm-hmm. And our little kitties. We got our little kitties little babies. here. Well, well, we're talking about the poor koala bear. But good on that lady who, like, yeah, that was literally awesome. took the shirt, shirt off right her off her back, back to and try the, and help uh, that poor, God, the poor, poor thing. bear. Mm. So we thought yeah. we would do a little uh, end of the year fun and do some updates on previous yeah. stories. It's not all going to be fun, just a mm, warning. But but updates, yeah, like some stuff that's happened. I have four. Okay, go ahead. Okay. Because I've only got one. Um, okay. <laughs> I have a good one to end on because it's a little hopeful. So I think that... I'll do should... mine second to last then. Okay. So I have... Yeah, I have um, updates on four. So actually, two are kind of not great and two are good. So why don't you do yours in the middle? Okay. This is... You can tell we had a, an extensive production meeting Yes, we did. This. So... <laughs> it lasted, it, we met up in the office. <laughs> Which was uh, in between the living room and the kitchen. <laughs> it was like, let's try this. And you're like, okay, let's try it. So, in our when we were wrapping up our Grenfell episodes, that was right before the inquiry yes. phase one report was going to come out. It was, I believe it was supposed to come out that day, and then it kept getting pushed no. back into the... No, no that's okay. not what it was. We did it like... What day was Halloween on this week, this year? I think it was a Thursday. I anyway. it was. So we released an episode like on the October 28th or something, and the report was coming out the 30th, and it did. So this was the phase one report of the Grenfell inquiry. So it's not the end of the inquiry. There's a phase two that it will be conducted now. Um, So remember there was the question, at least at the time of our recording, um, the idea as to whether the Grenfell potentially... The Grenfell report was sort of going to get buried amidst Brexit yes. stuff. Well, lots well, happened that since got, then. Yeah, that. So this was the um, Brexit deadline. It was originally October thirty first. It did get pushed to January thirty first of twenty twenty. So so that ended up not interfering with the report. But so it was released on October thirtieth. Uh, um. In now, obviously, this is a huge report, so you can go online and read the whole thing if you want. I did not, but just got some highlights from it. So. Um, one of the things that the report did was, first of all, just be like, remember, uh, Behalu Kabede, the yes. guy who, mm-hmm. the guy whose who's... fridge freezer was the yep. start of the fire, but certainly not the propagator of the fire. Yeah. He Wasn't did his nothing fault. wrong no. now. And, um, in fact, he mostly did everything right. He helped a lot of yeah. his neighbors. Yeah. He was, he, he behaved very well in that whole thing. He, he was quite honorable during the whole thing. Um, he, he the it was already determined that he was not at fault. The report reiterated that, so that was good. Um, the cladding was confirmed as the cause of the spread of the fire, so that was very mm-hmm. clear. Uh, firefighters and emergency operators were praised, you know, for their response for for what they did, which is great and right. Um, it, but they also found that emergency personnel commanders were undertrained. For the task at hand. Sure. So again, yeah. not, not calling them out as individuals. But just saying, hey, they'd never taken on something like this before. And no one ever prepared them right. for it. So there, that maybe, was a failing should, in the training. Maybe we should. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Um, the London Fire Brigade was very heavily criticized for not lifting the state put order mm, earlier. Sure. Right? So they were like, if you just told which, everybody to get out of there. I still, I just still don't understand. I, why I there's just, even just one to begin with. I know. Stay it, put and fire, those two things don't go together. No. <laughs> no, they don't. It's get the fuck away, fire. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> And then they also called out communication and systemic failings with the London Fire Brigade. Sure. So, um, the, the that's not that's kind of unsurprising. Yeah. And yeah. Ag- and again, it's it's not uh, against them, but I'm saying this was a task really too great for anybody in the positions that they were in. No, here's the thing. What's important to remember is of the firefighters and frankly even the commanders on the scene. They were not fault at fault. It was these systemic issues right. that left them undertrained and underprepared right. to do what they should do. Right. If you have a job, you count on the leadership, and we're talking leadership at the top, to ensure that you are properly trained that to you're your job, right? That you're in the best right? position possible. Right, exactly. Especially in something so dangerous. So if you are not properly trained, it's not your fault. It is the fault of your superiors. So this was a systemic failure. Um, they also made a bunch of recommendations in phase one with a couple of notable um, omissions. There was a total of 46 recommendations, and that included... Better evacuation plan requirements, and I'm I'm giving very top level views of this. Um, urgent inspections of fire doors in all buildings, and then requirements for ongoing inspections. Um, one of the glaring omissions: there was no recommendations to add sprinklers to high rises, mm. which was a big issue. But Sir Martin Morbick, who's heading the inquiry, said that he had not yet heard evidence about that, and that. It was likely that would be addressed in phase two. Okay. So, um, so that hopefully will be dealt with. Uh, it recommended better safe fire safety signage, inspection of current combustible cladding still in use. Uh, there was not a recommendation to ban new or, or ban combustible cladding in new buildings, but that has already been done. That had, was taken care of regulation-wise, so that, that didn't need to be recommended. Uh, additional training for si- fire service personnel in fires with cladding, with combustible cladding. Um, f- that floor plans for all high-rises be made available to fire rescue workers. And one thing that was left out was it, they did not recommend individual flats in high-rises be given extinguishers or fire blankets because there, here was the reasoning. They were afraid people would take that as a sign that they should stay in their flats and fight the fire hmm. instead of evacuating. So I actually see both sides of that. But have some, have some in the hallway, which I'm sure they do. Will, well, they had I the hope. firebox, remember, sure. on the outside? Yeah. I mean... Like, I, I don't know. We have a fire extinguisher at this point. Oh, my God. I think it's... I bought it with it may the be house. Expired. It was like six years ago. Okay. That's yes, okay. I need to check that. I'm so sorry, Lee. I feel the need to apologize to you I think personally. we mentioned that a few episodes ago. I think but, so, oh well, too. We will get it done. I know. And New if we Year's don't, resolution. And if we don't, then we won't say anything. <laughs> um, <laughs> or we'll die in a fire. Or hopefully. we'll die, and then we'll uh, know. No, oh. no. Hopefully not. Oh, sorry, kitties. Yes. Kitties perked up with the knocking on wood. Jesse especially, little howl ears. All right. So that that's where we are with Grenfell. Um uh the in in general, the survivors and the vi- and the loved ones of the victims seemed relatively happy with the way this was trending. So um now there's also an update on Hillsborough, another yep. big British tragedy. So very disappointingly, David Duckenfield, or fucking field as we called him, the police superintendent whose poor judgment led to ordering that the gate be open, that led, led to the to 96 crush. people's deaths. Yes. He was found not guilty of manslaughter. Yep. And that's pretty much it for him. I'm pretty sure. I think that was his last. Oh, yeah. So yeah. He, this was his second trial. Yeah. The first one, they couldn't come to a That's verdict. Right. Yeah. So, so this I, is think, the second one. I think he is officially done. Well, he was acquitted. Yeah. I don't know if British law has the same double jeopardy laws we do, but if so, I mean, maybe there's civil action that can be taken. I don't know. But I think from a criminal standpoint, yeah, he's 72, yeah. and this was 30, 30 years, years ago. ago. And yeah, at this point, he's kind of made it 
out unscathed, unfortunately, which is not something we can say about 96 people who died, plus people who were injured and traumatized. So, um, and that was on November 28th of 2019. Um, and obviously a lot of people were disappointed by that, mm-hmm. to say the least. Yeah. Uh, a woman named Louise Brooks, whose brother died at Hillsborough, said, quote, I'm ashamed to be British. I am ashamed of this country and things have got to change. I do not want any other family to ever go through what us Hillsborough families have had to go through for almost 31 years. The country is a disgrace and things have got to change. End quote. My guess is sounds, she... Sounds like America. Well, my guess is she may have been talking about a little more than just the, oh, yeah. the verdict. Um, I know that things are in quite a state of upheaval in the ever, UK, ever, right? Well, everywhere. everywhere. But the UK is is particularly struggling. Sweden's politically. going through a bit of a rough patch, which is sounds strange, but yeah. but they are. Uh, yeah. All we can say is, guys, we're so sorry because we've been through. This so much. Well, we're going through it. We exported it, and we are. Sorry. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, the whole, and this has been going on pretty much the back half of this decade. There are a lot of similarities between. Uh, global politics now and a hundred mm-hmm. years ago. There's a lot of similarities. Like World War One ish. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A lot of turmoil, a lot of upheaval here and there. And... Ooh, but that led to World War Two. <laughs> well, they both, yeah. So we're right. we're kind of in a crazy place right now. Yeah. So hopefully it does not stay that way. That'd be nice. All right, your update because the rest get a little happier from here. Unless yours is happy. It is well, kind of, okay. but uh, it brings back sadness. But it is happy. So, our eighth ever episode we did, which was called the, called, which was the Rana Plaza Collapse, which happened in Bangladesh. Mm -hmm. So, that, remember how we recorded like nine or ten podcasts at a time, the very first time? We only did like three or four. We put out three at... We lost one. We lost one, but but we had like a whole vault of... Uh, podcasts that we could put out because we recorded them all we like around the same time. We were ahead, And yeah. then that, that <laughs> went away. We've been so terrible since. But this was one that we had recorded in a cluster and then released in okay. time. Mm-hmm. So Ronald Plaza was our eighth episode and it was released on um, August 21st, 2017. That sounds so long ago. So this is what happens on August 29th, 2017. Oh. So just eight days later. Oh, wow. So this is an old update. We got some... Uh, oh. From the time of the podcast uh-huh. that we did on this to when this happened was uh-huh. was eight days. Oh wow! But it you, has since been it, over two years. Isn't it wild how it's, frequently these things happen? They're like getting right after we yes. record. So, um, uh, just to go back into the Rana Plaza collapse a little right. bit, this happened in Bangladesh. It killed eleven hundred people. This was with the HVAC units on the top. The generators. Right? Generators on the top on the ninth floor. That caused vibrations mm-hmm. in the that building. shook the yeah. building. And so, it was garment work, uh, mm-hmm. largely garment workers. Yeah. Absolutely. So more than eleven hundred people died. Yeah, that was. And twenty five hundred were um, injured. Ugh, so it was, was the bad. worst industrial accident in the history of Bangladesh. Mm-hmm. And it led to widespread criticism of global retail prices yeah, as far as clothing, that's obviously. Right. That's what happens with fast fashion. Somebody's so, producing that for cheap. Absolutely. So the person that owned the building was a person named Sol Rana. Yes. Uh-huh. Who was from the a family. The guy who tried to run away. Yes, he did. <laughs> he tried to like uh, uh, run across the border. Yes, he did. And he was caught. <laughs> he was. So Sol Rana was a part of the Rana family, which is mm-hmm. basically kind of a, I guess you could say, a olig- an oligarchy in, in mm-hmm. Bangladesh. So he was captured trying to get across the border. Right. Um, so on August 28th, so the, the building collapse happened in 2013. Okay. So on August 28th, 2017. Okay. So six just eight years. days after we did a podcast yeah. on it. Uh, Sol Rana received the maximum three-year sentence for failing to declare his personal wealth to Bangladesh's anti-graft commission. Wait, that's what he got charged with? That is, which falls under corruption. Okay. So he got charged with, he got convicted of corruption. Okay. He is still in jail and awaiting trial for murder. Oh, okay. Which, if he is convicted of that, oh, that could be will life. likely face the death penalty. <gasps> Ooh. So he is at this moment still in jail, mm-hmm. awaiting his trial for murder. Murder? Not even murder. like negligent homicide or something? There might be. It said like in 10 other charges. So that's probably, but the main charge he's about to face to go to wow. trial is murder. So wow, that's they've already, core. they've said that 
already accusing him guilty or convicting him rather of corruption uh-huh. is kind of an easy path to the murder part. Oh, I gotcha. So, well, it, it, it because establishes... If because if he's corrupt, yeah. he's not putting the well-being of people right. is, in his mind. It's which not is, good for his case, in other words. No. I So not to make it sound like I don't want him to... Like, especially this guy. He was pretty much a piece of shit. Yes, but, very much um, so. I don't want him to be held responsible. I'm always a little ooh about the death penalty because I'm not in favor of capital punishment. Um, but if it's beyond a reasonable doubt, which uh, I don't know. Anyway, yeah, I, I, I'm flexible I on it in general. If, it's a tough. It's a tough uh, if, moral. If it's question. a if it's a rich kid who has gotten away with shit all of his life that obviously did something that caused people to die and he winds up facing the death penalty, I'm not going to shed too much of a tear about it. Well, I mean he. He also ran away tears. from it, and we've yes. talked about the importance of taking responsibility, yep. which we'll get to in an update shortly. Yeah. Um, so that is my update on the Rana Plaza collapse. Very good. Very good. So I have two more. One is on the Pike River mine disaster. So oh, yes. Event. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if we remember at the end All of the that. All the bodies and people were still inside, yes, correct? Yes. Because they, they it was too, it off. They sealed it was too off dangerous to go in to get everybody. Mm-hmm. They sealed off the mine. Um, but we kind of ended with the fact that the new prime minister, uh, Jacinda Ardern, was like, we are going to go back in and we're going to do our best to recover those lost. And now this is this all happened in 2010. Mm-hmm. So this is almost a decade later. Um, but Jacinda Ardern, to her absolute credit, was a politician who told the truth on this. Is she still she, the prime minister? I believe so. Oh, okay. Um, I, I didn't look that up specifically, oh, but right. I believe so because this was like August-ish, 17, I think she was it, the incumbent. Oh, okay. So I, I'm i pretty sure the term is longer than two years. But anyway, um, so she followed through on her pledge to re-enter the Pike River mine in order to investigate the cause of the disaster and try to maybe recover the bodies of the trapped miners. The project has been funded with 36 million New Zealand dollars, and they did reopen the concrete seal. The first the first step, remember, they sealed up this thing. Sure. So the first thing was to just unseal it. So they, they in May of this year, of 2019, they... Uh, they worked on unsealing the mine and like um, ventilated it Mm -hmm. with fresh air, right? Because that's super important. Well, that was the danger were all the gases that were still trapped in there. Yes, they have to proceed with extreme caution. Now, between May and uh, December, in fact, December 17th of this year, as in like just a couple weeks ago, um, they, they they would go through the, the seal and there was like a, the initial barrier, which was 170 meters long, which is like 550-ish feet, not miles, feet. Um, But for the first time since 2011, on December 17th of 2019, they went past that barrier. Oh, okay. All right. So it's the farthest they've gone in since then. So they're making progress. Yes. And the idea is, the plan is to try and cover about 20 meters a day of the mine, which is 2.3 kilometers, sorry, 2.6 kilometers long, or roughly close to a mile and a half. Um, So they're going to proceed at like 20 meters a day, which is like 65 feet. Because this is slow work, they're going to be forensically examining the entire length of the mine and recovering whatever they can, evidence, hopefully bodies eventually, etc. And then... Once they've cleared it out, they're going to preserve it. Okay. Is the idea. So that is, um, that's awesome. It's nice to see a high ranking, as in a prime minister, um, politician actually following through on something and seeing it come to fruition. On something other than a wall. Right. On something other than something pointless. Yeah. Um, So that's great. So yeah, it's going to be slow going. Because they are basically examining the shit out of this mine. And hopefully they'll give some families some closure. Yes. And a body to bury. You know, that's important for people. It is. So, yeah. And then finally, um, a little bit of a miracle update. 
the Humboldt Broncos bus crash. So speaking of taking responsibility, remember we had like that had again another timing thing. It had just happened when we released the episode that the um, the truck driver just absolutely pled guilty mm-hmm. and was just like, "Yep, I take absolute responsibility," and didn't put anybody through any more torture or torment, which is which is fantastic, um, and honestly very honorable. So I thought that was great. But um, here's something about one of the survivors. So Ryan Strzichnitsky, uh, who's now 20. I think he was 18 at the time, uh, one of the survivors of the crash. Um, he was the guy who was paralyzed from the chest oh, down. Oh, yeah. Do you remember okay. that? Yep. Uh, so he decided to go to Thailand in last month. It was November. It was either late October or early November of this year, um, 2019, to get some surgery that implant and he did he got this surgery it implanted it was an epidural implant okay which is basically a, a, a like an electric stimulator put on his spine directly okay. onto his spine um in in an attempt to stimulate it to potentially restore some mobility to his muscles um that were paralyzed right and he also received um stem cell injections above and below this electrode real quick just an aside there's a really great um podcast called bad batch by like basically the people who did bad blood the theranos investigation podcast um but this was about this was about stem cells um and especially like some sham and under-regulated shit going on. So, like, stem stem cells show a lot of promise, but a lot of people are hawking them untested as a cure-all. That's super dangerous. Even though they show a lot of promise, they need to be studied, you know, to make sure that it's safe for people. But anyway, um, so early this month, early in December, it was revealed that his surgery was at least somewhat successful. Really? There was a video of him able to bend and straighten one leg. Wow. And even walk with a lot of assistance. Sure. But still. Still. Yes. Someone paralyzed from the chest down was standing and being wa- and walking with assistance. That's crazy. Which is is amazing. Um he said quote so this is Ryan um said quote I was at a loss for words. I was really shocked and excited at the same time. It kind of scared me a little bit, but again, I was pretty excited, end quote, which is such a Canadian 20-year-old thing to say. Yeah, it was pretty hey. excited. It was pretty cool, <laughs> um, which is amazing. And uh, his dad, Tom Strachnitsky, said that Ryan does have some bad muscle spasms. Uh, that's been so far the only ill effect. The idea being he didn't use those muscles for over a year and a half. Well, sh- yeah, right, because he was paralyzed; he couldn't use them. Same thing when like people come out of a coma. There's yeah. a lot of physical therapy that they got to go yes, through because their bodies have yes. essentially Atrophy gone to waste. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. So, so that's been that's been tough, but he's he's still working on it. Apparently, going through a lot of physical therapy. Sure. Um, and the reason he got it in Thailand, this surgery in Thailand, so he's Canadian, um, is that these epidural implants are not approved yeah, for this use. Yeah. This is an experimental surgery, basically. At least experimental to the extent that Health Canada is like, okay, this is not an approved use. Um, and his his family's been a little vocal about, like, that's BS, you know, this has helped him. So they've had to to pay out of pocket over $100,000 for this surgery, which is awful, period. Everything should be covered, period, for everybody, period, globally, end of story. IMO. But um, it's funny because to me it was just like, well, that sounds like American healthcare. (laughs) Of course you have to pay $100,000 out of pocket. But um, we're talking about Canadians who are used to socialized medicine and should be, should be used to that. That, That's good. but I will also say I see Health Canada's side of this because this is just not a, a use that's been studied. Sure. And that's really it's, it's hard. More, uh, it's more elective. Well, not even elective, but like, we don't know this could fuck you up. That's true. We haven't even studied this. We don't know. And to be fair, we don't know what the long-term effects for Ryan are going to be. But 
hopefully this is trending very well for him. Good. I mean, he's very young. Yeah. So I'm sure that plays in his favor. I mean, he's still growing even. He's only 20. Most men are growing well into their mid-20s. So, um, so at least there's there's some hope for him. And he has tempered his expectations. He does not expect to end up in the same physical condition he was before the crash. He's just hoping for restoration, permanent restoration of some mobility. Right. And it's certainly trending that way for him. So that's that's some very good news. Excellent. To go into 2020 with. Yes. From, from Ryan Strzynicki. So that's fantastic. And certainly hope that that keeps on an upswing for him. And that he was even, uh, they were even going to take him back to the ice in Thailand. Oh, like okay. a, a, to a rink sure. to start start skating, which now he has been um, competing as a Paralympian, I believe. Okay, you know with the, um, the sleds, the sleds, yes, mm-hmm. exactly. Sled so, hockey, sled hockey, yeah, which it's looks cool. which looks fucking difficult as shit. Well, remember, was it at one of the Canes games we went to or saw on TV? Maybe that they had some of the guys like the professional NHL players. Oh like, yeah, try to do it. Sleds, yes, and, and they. Were- they couldn't do it. <laughs> Not, they couldn't do it as well as the guys that do it all the time. Well, they got they were, winded they, because they were of the, struggling. They were very to say much the least. struggling. Yes. Yeah, yes. it looks exhausting as shit. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'll stick to regular hockey. Yeah, and all of that <laughs> is not to say, um, you know, just just to be clear that there's like to have a disability or you know like a lack of mobility or something like that isn't something to be solved or cured per se you know this but this was his choice to do because he wanted to and he wanted to try this and obviously the reason for his disability was something very traumatic and difficult and horrible um so it's i'm glad that he has gone for a desired result and it seems to be working out for him. yes absolutely absolutely so so yeah, we added those. Uh, I think it's good that we added those updates in just to wrap up the year and also add a little. We're not used to not talking for. <laughs> uh, well, our last episode was almost two fucking hours. It so. was. That's true. <laughs> that is true. Did you want to? You you talked about wanting to do like best and worst of twenty nine or this decade of or the something? decade. Yeah, um, <laughs> just off the best best movie of the decade for best you. Best movie of the decade. Mm-hmm. You know, I saw somebody's like best movies of the decade list recently, mm-hmm. and I thought back, and I was like, you know what, that was a really good movie. It was Whiplash. Oh yeah, that was really that was good. A fantastic film. But I also really loved and cannot wait for more movies from um, Jordan Peele. I really sure. loved Get yeah. Out and Us. So I'm excited to see where that's going. I actually saw a preview when watching uh, Knives Out today okay. for a new movie. It said from the producer of Get Out and Us. So I don't know if that's this is also going to be a Jordan Peele movie or what. But it was called Antebellum. It looked very creepy yes, and supernatural. I ha- yeah. yeah, he is a producer on it. But not the it's, director. No. It's not his film. Okay. Um, but I've, yeah, I saw like a 30 second trailer of that too. It looks okay. good. What about for you? Best movie of 2010s? I would... Uh... I mean, it's there's tough. a there's a couple. I would have to say here here's what's in the running for me. Hmm. Uh, Avengers: Infinity War. <laughs> I thought was really good. Okay. Um, mostly really good. I mean, the you ending. Like the Joker. Oh, I did. Sorry. The Joker is. I I'm I'm going to mention that one, but it's also so very recent. Oh. Gotcha. But it's also available now, so I just might buy it and oh, watch it again. Okay. But anyway, yes, the Joker was fantastic, and. Um, uh, I guess I don't know. I'll leave it at those two. It's hard to I, I think can't... back on ten years of yeah. movies. There's a lot yeah. of movies we saw, a lot of TV shows we saw. Mm-hmm. Um, I would have to say my my best video game of the decade mm-hmm. would be The Last of Us. Mm-hmm. Probably that's probably the best all time though. Okay, but Very of the good. decade. But 2013 uh, brought us The Last of Us, Grand Theft Auto Five, and Bioshock Infinite. Three of the greatest games of all time, in my opinion, all in one year. And also um, brought to, together our dynamic duo. Yes, 2013 did. 2013. We did not know each other at the beginning of the we decade. Did not, not for the whole first <laughs> half of it. Highlight. Three years into it. Yes. Highlight of the 2010s personal moments. Oh, definitely us getting married. Mm-hmm. Honeymoon. Mm-hmm. Yes. yes. Meeting. Yes. 
I agree. The 2010s were good for us. Yes, it was. Yes. Yes, they were, rather. Yes, they were. <laughs> yes, yes it was, 2010s. <laughs> yes, we do. Yes, uh, that what we do or <laughs> that whatever. That what we do. <laughs> that what we do, 2010 style. <laughs> but no, our uh, our reception was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if we've ever really talked about it. but we, uh, did an, we, we did an episode. We released an episode around that time. Did we? Yeah. I guess we did. We were, yeah. But anyway, we, we did uh, our reception at a music hall, mm-hmm. and your band played, mm-hmm. which was a lot of fun. You played with us. I did. I played on two songs. Yes. And I have really not played the drum since. <laughs> we... except, except for going to Brandon's last year. That might have been the last time I played the drums. We will one day, dear listeners, convert our second bedroom in our little two-bedroom townhouse to a recording studio. That is soundproofed and that we don't sound like we're sitting in our bedroom recording because that's what we're doing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know that. Um, Hopefully that's coming this year. Yeah, that'd be nice. At least a plan for it, you know. And then also, I wanted to point out that as of right now, we have hit 375,000 all-time listens. Right on the dot. On did you, did you take a picture dot. of that? I, I did. Hope? I took okay. a screenshot. Um, I'll take it on just in case. And... Last year, 2018, we had a total of 145,000 listens. Wow. This year, we're at 220,000. Holy So we've had an uptick, and that's because of you guys, everyone listening. The best part, well, I don't know if it's so hard to make a call on this. There's two favorite parts for me about doing this. Uh, about doing this podcast one and and neither have to do with disasters um one is that we get to do we have a project together we have something that we do together Mm -hmm. i think it's actually like helped our chemistry and communication just in regular life too sometimes i feel our conversations are like podcasts podcasts. (laughs) or maybe our podcasts are just like our normal conversations i can't tell the chicken or the egg yes and then the other thing is the really awesome people that we've gotten to connect with like some really really great people um and everyone who has reached out and said hi and joined our facebook group and tweeted and and done everything in support of us because fuck the one star reviews (laughs) everyone who's done something to be supportive of us we so very much appreciate appreciate it. it so appreciate it and um we know that we have a certain bend and that not everybody's gonna like us and but judging by the one star reviews yes but (laughs) but one of the really great things are the people who don't necessarily agree with us and everything but like Zach said this recently on Instagram. He's like, I don't always agree with your, and I'm paraphrasing, don't always agree with your politics, but I feel like you're coming from a really genuine place and I love you. And that was just like the sweetest thing ever because that's exactly how we feel about all our loyal listeners too. Like ultimately, we think you probably at least tolerate our political views or else you would have just left us a one-star review and stopped listening by now. But um, I do appreciate anyone who can see that we are genuinely trying to be genuinely good people. Yes. And I think all of those people are also genuinely good people. I don't think we have any... We have genuinely good listeners, Absolutely. in my opinion. We have a lot of smart ones, too. Very smart. Very <laughs> smart. Authors, lawyers. Very funny. District attorneys, apparently. Very cool. Oh, yeah. We've got a good fan base. Um, and and I don't know what normal podcast numbers are to listen. I know that, I don't know, 375,000 listens sounds like, like a lot to me. I know big ones get millions or whatever. But we never were talking never, about I, being a, a no. million podcast listener podcast podcast. It's just something fun to do, and it makes it so much more fun that we have people who enjoy it. Yes, and and interact and, with and, us and who have a reason to look forward to Monday morning. Yes, yes. <laughs> Hopefully, we can help. Hopefully, we can entertain, and we'll see how far into the twenties we get. Maybe we'll make it all the way through. Who knows? We've been going for every single fucking Monday. Since, uh... For 130 weeks. Yes. 128 weeks, technically, because we did three episodes at once. Yes. To watch. Yes, you're right. Um, and that was January 17th, 2017. 7 17, 17 July 17th. What did I say? You January? said January. January's not seven. <laughs> <laughs> I know that. 
So, it's, so since July 17th. Yes, July 17th. 2017. Yes. We're, we've to today. Going, yes. Today being uh, December 26th. Yes. Boxing Day. Oh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, 15th anniversary, by the way, of our, one yes. of our recent disasters. But anyway, um, I don't know. That's my Uncle Carl moment of like little like pontificating mm-hmm. about things. Yes. <laughs> but I don't have a wine glass in my hand and, and, and I'm starting to get red faced and teary. <laughs> yes, and I'm out of beer as well. <laughs> oh, we were drinking the People's Porter, the re- regular mm-hmm. People's Porter. Because um, we had the Moravian Porter for our last episode. Yes, and at the brewery. Yes. As we went to Winston-Salem. Anyway, now it's just evolving into... Yes, it is. Let's tell you about our week. So uh, The 2020s will also be the decade of the Buffalo Bills. Watch out. <laughs> Oh, God. And it will also be the decade of the Carolina Hurricanes. I predict both things happening. Okay, that would be nice. I'll take the second one. Yes. I don't care about the first one. I know you don't. (laughs) So, happy new year to everybody. Happy new decade. Happy new decade, indeed. Um, This has been another episode of All Bad Things, wherein we covered the 1971 Montreux de Casino. I think I said that with a Spanish accent. That's okay. Montreux de Casino fire. <laughs> I'm not sure if that's Swiss. I don't know what a Swiss accent sounds like. That's that's a good question. I don't know. This has been another episode of All Bad Things. I'm Rachel. I'm David. We'll see you next week. Oh, we'll see you next year. Next year. Yeah. Next decade. <laughs> next decade. Have a nice leap. See you next spring. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not how it goes. <laughs>